your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rothman Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rich Rothman Show. It is 5 o'clock straight up. That means you are in your car. You're going home. Hope you're having a pleasant trip. Uh, you know, I-95 is really a pleasant trip. And from now on, Alex, ever since I had that Express, I love that thing. You know, every day. I'd use that every day. Yeah, I still don't use that. How is that? I got to tell you, I don't care if I-95 is packed on the right-hand side. Do you get on that Express lane coming out of downtown Miami? Going to go north? I, I'll pay two. I, I think the most I paid once is about two seventy-five, maybe three dollars. That's not too bad. Seven minutes to the to the Golden Glade. Seven really? minutes. Wow. Seven. You minutes. must have been speeding then. Uh, of course. <laughs> nice. There's no question in my mind. If I'm driving, it's eighty miles an hour. Except, of course, when I'm in Miami Springs, I'm very conscious of what I'm doing there. I just want you to know that. But, uh, yeah, uh, so welcome to the show. Good to have you here today. An interesting day today. Almost, you know, it's kind of like summer, but it really isn't like summer. Uh, well, you know, what do you think, Alex? Do you think it's going to cool off one of these days? Stay uh, that well, way? We, we had some cool weather a couple weeks ago. I you know. I thought we were going to have that break. Yeah. I really thought we were going to have that break. And, you know, wow. I said, oh, this is hot and humidity stuff is gone. We're going to we're gonna segue into No, we didn't. Not really. Because it's been pretty hot outside well, We're usually guaranteed some kind of cool weather around Thanksgiving. Well, you know what? i got to tell you, at least 75% of the time on Halloween, which is coming up this weekend, which is why I'm certainly not going out of my house to go anywhere on Halloween. No costume this year? Uh, well, uh, I, I'm wearing it. Ah, yeah, the rich suit. Yeah, but you got to protect your house, so uh, I'm going to stay around. But usually on Halloween, it does start to cool off a little bit. Usually it's cooler, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, welcome to the show. The uh, Just a quick on some of the business stuff. The Dow Jones today finished up. Very interesting day. Choppy all over the place. Finished up 14.21 to finish at 98.82.17. You know, a lot of people, I was listening to the, uh, on CNBC this morning, a lot of people were saying we're about to have that downside. You know, uh, Tony Villamil said we're going to a, a double, a W economic uh, syndrome. It used to be, if you think of a V, it would drop down like we did, went down to 6,000, the upper fives, and bump back up. That's a V. You can follow that pretty easily. For you know, trainable, you can figure that one out. But the W, according to Tony Villamil, the ex, um, he's the economist for the state of Florida, worked for the Reagan administration as well, said we're about to have another precipitous drop. And a lot of Europeans, you know, were shorting American equities today. They're saying, you know what, we hit ten thousand, we're going to start shorting, and we're going to start going into other things other than the equity situation. So I'm anticipating, to be perfectly honest, and I'm getting some nods in the studio, that I think we're going to hit. You know, before we start really correct and getting out of this recession. And don't think for a minute we're out of this recession. It just it ain't happening yet. That We're going to have a, a hit down, and then we're going to come back up. So my advice, humble advice for a guy who watches his portfolio, I'd be very secure right now with what you're doing. Very safe. Play it safe. Because uh, it's, still, it's still cooking uh, that way. Anyway, so... The point is, uh, I want to welcome to the show. On the show today, we have a couple people uh, that you know and some good people coming in from Chicago. Jimmy Lasky is going to be here. He's calling at about 5.10 this afternoon. He'll be calling in from Chicago because we want to talk about Chicago politics. I really want to have a discussion of Rahm Emanuel and uh, uh, Dead Fish Emanuel, I should say. And then the other one is David Axelrod, another great American, uh, who's really doing wonderful things for... Uh, let me, uh, himself. Also known as David Axel Root. Axel Root, as Jimmy says. That's his nickname in Chicago, David Axel Root. And Jimmy, of course, the ex-city clerk from Chicago, um, good friend of ours. He covered Chicago when uh, the elections were occurring. 
and uh, knows all the game players. He knows David. He knows uh, obviously he knows uh, you know uh, King Daly, of course, very very well because anyone who is in politics in uh, Chicago has to know King Daly. Uh, Jimmy actually got more votes when he ran for city clerk the last time he ran than Mayor Daly, which is a very dangerous thing to do if you happen to work in Chicago because that puts you on Daly's radar. So not a very good thing. But we're going to be talking about those folks, and then in the second half of the show today, um, we're going to be talking uh, to the folks from uh, Miami Springs. And I know uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had our good friend, uh, Bob Best, came in. Bob, of course, is a councilman in Miami Springs. You know, Miami Springs is a real, it's a, it's a pleasant surprise, I have to tell you that, when you drive into Miami Springs. It, it's this great enclave of homes and a community that has, you know, what you had many, many years ago in the sense that I think everyone knows each other, and it's, uh, it's clean, it's beautiful, it's, it's not boisterous and loud and crazy. It's got uh, good things happening. Uh, uh, that uh, uh, economically, which we're, I, I'm really intrigued with. I, I'm, I'm going to shut that in a second. And um, uh, so we're going to be having uh, the folks uh, came in here. Bob brought uh, the finance director, uh, Bill Alonzo, is going to be here with us. And James Borg, uh, Borgman is the city. James Borgman is the city manager. And we're going to discuss why is this why is this community doing so well in in a, in a tough economy. Versus many, many other communities, and we've been listening to them. And I go to the League of Cities, you know, dinners and stuff, and I listen to nightmares when I listen to some of these people from all these different cities. They're up against the wall right now, and it just seems like these guys and, and these ladies and working in, 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 uh, in, in Miami are doing something right. And I thought it was worthwhile to come back and, and have them come on the show and talk to us. And I have to tell everybody I'm really sorry about the air conditioning. For some reason, it, it ain't working well today. But um, but anyway, how much time do I have before I split? I got one minute left. Yeah, you can keep rambling for a minute. Let me just let me just just a quickie thing. <laughs> just a quickie thing. Just want to throw something in before we get Jimmy on the show. Uh, something happened later today that I think you should be aware of, and it has to do with Joe Lieberman. And 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 it's all over the wires right now, and it's all over all the talk radio shows. At the point, and Lieberman, of course, uh, the Democrat who's not really a Democrat, got turned, you know, turned away by the Democrats. Uh, ran as an independent in Connecticut and then beat them. Did a phenomenal job, just shoved it right back at them. And his big quote today: Joe Lieberman, not a good thing for Harry Reid in health care. Says, "I'll block the vote on Harry Reid's plan. He will not have, he will not encompass, he will not embrace any plan, any uh, health care. Of course, we're talking about for those of you who are in, in the fog." That includes a public option in any form, fashion, any concept whatsoever, any color whatsoever. It could be chartreuse. He's not voting for it. He doesn't care. It's not going to happen. And Olympia Snow, who gave us the snow job just a few weeks ago when she voted, went, went ahead with the Democrats, her caveat was she will not vote for public option. She reiterated that today. That she cannot embrace and vote for this plan or any plan that in any way has a public option. And Lieberman even went so far as to say, you know what? In all honesty, we can create competitiveness, but we got to take a couple of years to do that because we are just ripping apart the uh, the, the the funding, the, the debt structure of the United States right now. We've got too much on our plate. When we come back, we're going to talk about that with Jim and uh, these wonderful gentlemen in the studio. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Rothman on the Rich Rothman Show right here on 880 The Biz. We'll be right back. Or the 
ITC promotes Miami-Dade County as a global gateway by enhancing international relations, cultural understanding, and international trade. Every year, I was going to speak up, but I wasn't. You can speak up. No, we can handle that. I know which way he swings on that. Well, they are well. Charged with the development of this trade and functions as an umbrella organization or clearinghouse for other trade development efforts within the county. Our vision is to promote and strengthen Miami-Dade County's excellent business climate. Headphones, if you want to hear what's going on, you got to wear headphones. So you you have a headphone, you have a, is there another one here? Oh dear. Well, when you're talking, when we, when we get going with you, we'll give you the headphones. You will, you, you will hear everything in here. You just won't hear anything coming in. You won't hear that. I'm sorry. Or call us at 305-375-5808. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between yes. the United States yes. and the Caribbean Basin. Oh, we'll turn it up over there. Seaboard Marine's okay? success in the region for nearly you hear 25 years okay. has enabled it to expand into new markets, now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. You're doing Seaboard that? Marine oh, how cool. I've known Rick for a long time. He's wonderful. Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year. A yes. Yeah, that would be so much. Oh, i got to know you. From Miami. Yeah. Bahamas, I'm an old rock. Grand Cayman, right. Columbia, Dominican Republic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a B3 guy. And Fender Rhodes Piano. That's what I played. South Central yeah. America. Uh, no, I don't have a B3. The B3 was all over the road on State Road 57 going up to Oswego one night. That was our third accident, and I took my insurance company money, and I just said, that's it. No more. God's telling me not to do this anymore. I've walked away from three accidents. And U.S. dollar. Should I own gold yeah. or silver? Yeah. I think I paid like $2,600 for mine in the 60s with uh, a, a, a Reverb Leslie, which I then put through my, um, uh, what? L22, yes. RV. The RV was on the end of it. And then I put it through a, um, a Dual Showman as well. I, I, I took the high frequencies and the low frequencies, put it through the Dual Showman. Then I took our voice of theater. I was telling Bob, um, my tweeter, my upper tweeter, I mic'd that through the voice of theater speakers. So I take the high frequencies and throw it out over the crowd. Oh no, in upstate New York, I played all over. We opened for major, major groups. And um, it was very important to me. Very. I'm still in contact with the guys 40 years later. Yeah. I want to hear about it. That'd be great. Did Jimmy call in yet? Okay, great. God, God, I, I apologize for this heat. It's just, when it goes, it goes. For all the details, Wealth, a full-service commodity firm. Risk of loss in trading commodity futures and options can be substantial. All funds committed should be purely risk capital. Past performance is no guarantee of future trading results. No one covers local, national, and world news. I hope so. Your mouth to God's ears. National and world shipping like DHL. DHL <clears throat> customer service is back. You got some of those uh, sound bites? Atlantic Radio Network. <laughs> I like nonsense. It wakes up the brain cells. This is the Rich Rothman Show. The Rich Rothman Show.
Welcome back. It's about, uh, well, it's 11 minutes, almost 12 minutes after the hour of 5 o'clock. Welcome to the Rich Roffin Show right here on 880 The Biz. It is so good to have you here and have you safely here. Uh, you have Jimmy. Jimmy's in right now. Jimmy uh, Lasky from uh, ex-city clerk of uh, Chicago. How are you up in Chicago today, Jimmy? Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm doing all right. A little warm in the studio. The compressors aren't working too well today. You guys didn't pay your electric bill. After I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I, you know what? You'd think that we, you know, we had the gerbils and everything working for us out there, but it didn't work for me. What's going on in Chicago? First of all, what's the weather like in Chicago? Is it cool now? It's kind of chilly. We're, we're in, I was talking to Alex, your producer, we're in rain mode here. We've had rain, like, uh, for the last seven days off and on. Really? That's, that's almost biblical. You start getting that. You start, you know, take oh, out the Old Testament. The, uh, you're ready to pull out the ark and, uh, you know, take two of each animal and, and, and float along State Street here because it's been that much rain. I know. We, we, you know, we haven't had much rain lately. I don't know what's going on down here, but we used to have a ton of rain coming here. You know, this is the tropics, for God's sakes. You'd think you'd get some rain. We really haven't. I noticed my pool is starting to get a little low for the first time in ages. Hey, you know, I, I don't like that. You know, it's embarrassing. Talk, when you can start talking about your pool... In at the end of October, then I know you're from Florida. I mean, we've closed our pools, the, the covers on. No, are you in. kidding me? We're, I was just in it last weekend. It's it's uh, still in the upper 70s in my pool. It's uh, nice. You know, I can't uh, tell you. Uh, hey, listen, Jimmy. Jimmy, of course, um, you can hear J- uh, Jim Lasky on WGN Radio, the third largest radio station in the United States. And Jimmy, of course, is on. When, when, when are you on this week, Jim? You know, I'm on. Uh, I have a pass this weekend, but I am on next Wednesday and Thursday night, uh, back-to-back doubleheader uh, from 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Chicago time, so that's midnight to 3 your time. I know that, I, but you know what? But everybody can listen to it. You all you gotta do is go to uh, wgn seven twenty dot com, and and you listen to Jim last. I just listened to you last weekend, and you were talking about Rush and some others. You know, Jim, I wanted to, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was Chicago politics and Rahm Emanuel and David Axelrod. You know, Alex, can you get one of the cuts up uh, from uh, Rahm Emanuel? All right, can you hit one of those? I want Jimmy to hear that. Take a look at this, and then I want to talk about it. Go, Alex, whenever you can. And we're almost there. My computer's a little slow, so bear with me. Hold All on. right, well, well, we'll talk in a second. You know, Chicago politics, Jimmy, uh, you know, Rom, you know, there's a style. And, and, and I guess we're seeing that style every day uh, in the White House right now with, with guys like Rahm Emanuel and David Axelrod, don't you think? Well, Rahm Emanuel, like I said, his first, I think I said this on my show last week, his first real job in politics was being a fundraiser for Mayor Daley. I mean, he was brought up and raised in Chicago politics. He was uh, Daly's chief of staff for a while, and uh, he was uh, vigorously supported by Daly for, uh, for Congress. And Daly had the whole patronage army out there. He was getting monies from all kinds of unions and all kinds of people. He got money from the higher truck program that sent me to jail. So, 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 his, so his so deal... Rahm Emanuel is, is certainly a product of, of the Chicago system, and when he got out to Washington, you know, he was this... You know, this uh, Kennedy-esque looking kind of congressman uh, who uh, just kind of like maneuvered his way into the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, and one thing led to another, and then he schmoozed uh, Barack Obama, and he put his cards on him, and uh, uh, you know, lo and behold, you know, Obama becomes president, and Rahm Emanuel is a fair-haired child now, and uh, Rahm Emanuel doesn't know beans about what goes on, and, and he, I mean, I read something in the paper about Afghanistan, and Rahm Emanuel says, 
well, there's no end game here, so maybe... I mean, well, yeah, he shocked a lot of people last week when he came out with a policy on military for Afghanistan. That didn't, you know, that didn't fly. I don't, I don't think the military really enjoyed... I don't think, you know, Gates enjoyed that uh, at all. Hey, listen, play the, play the cut. Wait, 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 Jimmy, listen to this cut. Go ahead. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that is an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. I think America as a whole in 1973 and 1974, and not just my view, but obviously the administration, missed the opportunity to deal with the energy crisis that was before us. For a long time, our entire energy policy came down to cheap oil. This is an opportunity, what used to be long-term problems, be they in the healthcare area, energy area, education area, fiscal area, tax area, Okay, so uh, is that let's Rom? Not waste, let's not waste the crisis here. Let's not waste the. Was, that was his deal in Chicago, right? Oh my gosh, this guy is unbelievable. I mean, and, and it, but it goes back to the whole thing. I mean, it goes back to square one with these guys, where these guys had no clue on what they were doing when they got to Washington, and they still don't. I mean, there is no foreign policy experience. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Emmanuel has none. Valerie Jarrett has none. Axelrod has none, and certainly Obama has none. And, and and what do we do? It's the blind leading the blind. And and you know what? It's 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 great sound bites that you know these guys. You know they're they're, they're just trying to uh, you know be us the people. And well, and, I, and uh, you know unfortunately they're going to be you know the Democrats and Republicans are going to get wind of this eventually and say you know what enough's enough. Yeah, let me ask you a question. In in Chicago, Jim, if 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 Mayor Daley doesn't get his way. And like Rahm Emanuel when he worked for the mayor, or, or Axelrod when he worked for the you know, the Chicago machine, didn't they did they attack those who did not support them? Well, here's the thing. Did they demonize those who weren't in support of them? Mayor Daley, first of all, hasn't had an independent city council in 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 20 years, so he's always been a rubber stamp council. He's controlled most of the votes. If there were people, and and God be forgive them if they ever just stood up to Daley like I did a couple times. You would, uh, you know, expect the wrath of Daly. They would tell you it's either Daly's way or the highway, and either you're with Daly or you're against them. And of course, you can be. You they can withhold projects from you, like you know, street repaving or or uh, you know, a new library or a new firehouse, and that's happened. Where where aldermen were actually uh, threatened behind the scenes with not getting certain things that they were, in fact, entitled to okay. because they didn't go along with Daly. Okay, hang on. But but then here we have Rahm Emanuel and Axelrod now going after those who are against them. They demonize them. And can you get that cut for me when they go when he, when he makes these negative comments about Fox? Do you have that one? Are you ready to go? Okay, here we Listen to this one. I've known you for seven... so much like I, a I've family known, discussion. I've known you for 17 years. Uh, and we've been through a lot of campaigns together. Mm -hmm. You practice hardball politics with relish. I'm trying to get behind the curtain and understand why your White House has decided that it is in its interest to have this boom with our rival, Fox News. Anita Dunn, one of your staff, calls it the, the communications director, the wing of the Republican Party. Why? Well, no, it's not so much a, a conflict with uh, Fox News, but unlike, I, I suppose, the way to look at it and the way we, the president looks at it and we look at it is it's not a news organization so much as uh, it has a perspective, and that's a different take. And more. Okay, uh, Jimmy, did you hear that? Yeah, I mean, a different perspective. I mean, doesn't CNN have a different perspective? Doesn't MSNBC have a different perspective? I mean, come on. I mean, that is so two-faced, so 
you know, if, if you don't like the criticism, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. And these guys are like, let me take my ball on my bat and go home because, I'm, I'm, you know, you're not letting me, uh, you know, start. I mean, that's the, that's the problem with these guys. I mean, Obama, Emmanuel, Axelrod, it's, all the, it's, it's like the, the daily thinking. If I can't have it my way, I don't want to deal with you. And they can't take criticism well at all. No, they, they, it seems like the whole contingency from Chicago can't take criticism, Jim. I mean, certainly President Obama really doesn't like criticism. I, you could no, just watch him when he's speaking. He doesn't really, he doesn't dig on that at all. All his press conferences or he's involved and someone comes out with a negative, it just doesn't happen. It is like squashed. Can, we, can you get me a cut from David Axelrod for a second before I run out of time? Because Jimmy's not going to be here forever. Find me a cut. All right, listen to David Axelrod. Your colleague, Anita Dunn, told the New York Times this week that uh, Fox News was undertaking a war against the White House and said the White House would treat Fox the way we would an opponent. Here's what Rupert Murdoch had to say about that. There were some uh, strong remarks coming out of the White House about uh, one or two of the commentators on Fox News. And all I can tell you is it has tremendously increased their ratings. Uh, that does seem to be true. Are you worried that your strategy is fortifying your enemy? Well, I don't. You know, I'm not concerned. Uh, Mr. Murdoch has a uh, has a, a, a talent for making money, and I understand that their programming is geared toward uh, making money. All the only argument Anita was making is that they're not really a news station. If you watch, even it's not just their commentators, but a lot of their news programming. It's really not news. It's pushing a point of view. And the bigger thing is that. Uh, uh, other news organizations like yours uh, ought not to treat them that way, and we're not going to treat them that way. We're going to appear on their shows, uh, we're going to participate, but understanding that they represent a point of view. Okay. You know, it just seems to me, I mean, th I think this is the worst thing I've ever heard, and in, in, I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat, but to hear that the administration can handle criticism or anyone that goes no. against them and demonizes them, calls them racist, calls a major, I mean, something must be right with Fox, because I got the numbers in front of me right now that just came out today, and CNN has now dropped to the last place among all the cable news networks. What does that tell you? You know, 500, uh, 5 million people a day are watching, 5 million people a day at any given point are watching Fox News. What do you think that really says? And these guys demonize it. Just demonize it. Is this what you write? Is this is this is this like the uh, uh, the uh, the standard procedure from up there in Chicago? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The David Axelrod just talked to criticizing Murdoch, you know, about making money. What do you think Axelrod did all these years? And he's still doing. Okay, he's doing it under the, under the veil of uh, somebody else's name now with his PR firm. But I mean, it's a perspective, point of view. He throws out all these this, these words, but it's it's all because somebody criticizes the White House. It's CNN, God forbid, would ever criticize the White House. You don't think they have a point of view or a perspective? Do they report the news? No. They have, you know what, it is almost, it's almost laughable that Axelrod Emanuel can say those things because you hear those kind of, that kind of language from the Daily people here in Chicago when Daily gets criticized. I mean, they just kind of like blow it off and say, well, these people are just, you know, very negative and they don't understand the, the politics of Chicago or they don't understand the long-term effects here. That's what they always say. They put the, they play the blame game like they do in Chicago. How come, how come they don't like profits? I don't get this. How come they don't, doesn't they, didn't David Axelrod's firm want to make profits? Oh, they, they, like I said, they were, him, he was involved with Michelle Obama with some deal with the University of Chicago Hospital situation with the, uh, and I don't have all the facts in front of me, but yeah, they were making money. 
Absolutely. And, and David Axelrod ran campaigns across this country. Do you, how much money do you think his firm made on Obama on the Obama campaign before he disenfranchised himself from the firm? How much money is it? Millions. Well, I would imagine I would imagine so that that he did that. See, what I don't understand is that these cats come into Washington, this whole democratic group got into Washington, and all of a sudden capitalism, free market capitalism, and the idea, I mean, why are we demonizing profits? I mean, I was brought up, I mean, what the heck? I was born in 47. So, I was brought up in the 50s and the early 60s. I went to college in 64. I started college and I stayed until 72. I always thought part of the American dream was that you can build a mouse trap if you think it's better than somebody else's. You get out there, you market it well. No one's going to give you a, you know, a, a sort of a Jackson Brown moment. There's no free lunch, that's for sure. On sunset, there's no free lunch. But, but. If you do well and you work hard, and, and, and this is the way I've led my whole life from seven different companies I've had, you can do well. Maybe. Right. You know, God shines on you, a little bit of luck, but a lot of smarts, and you do what you're supposed to do. And if you do really well, like a Bill Gates, you know, it's, it's a great thing. What I don't understand, and here's the hypocrisy of this whole thing, is that how come I never hear people complaining, well, you know, you know, uh, you know uh, Brad Pitt gets $20 million plus, you know, 10% of the gross. That to me seems like an awful lot of money. The average Joe and Jane out there can't make that money. They don't. They don't demonize that. But if if Fox is making private, well, Fox is is making. Well, you know what? They're called public corporations. You see, public corporations have a fiduciary responsibility to covet and protect the husband the money for those who invest in it. But it, it seems right now, when I listen to these guys on the news, well, you know, uh, they're they're more concerned about making profits than they are concerned about supporting us. I mean, I just don't get it. Jimmy. Well, first of all, that's what I got so angry about with with the, the Rush Limbaugh situation. First of all, they trampled. When I say they, people like Sharpton, Jackson, the, you know, some of those Democrats, some of the Obama people trampled on Obama, uh, Limbaugh's First Amendment rights. And this is the uh, on democracy, the free market. And besides death and taxes, I, I would think you're able to do almost anything within the business world if you want to. And if you have to the business acumen, you have the dough, you're able to, you know, have a passion about what you want to do, like Limbaugh did, or does, uh, and, and, and they took it away from him because people didn't like his conservative point of view, and and he wasn't pro-Obama, he wasn't, you know, uh, a Democrat, he's a very staunch conservative, so I said on my show, you know what, why don't we do that for every owner, sports owner across the country, let's give them a litmus test, let's ask them how they feel about abortion, military spending, gay rights, and then maybe we should ask them, do you love your president? Ask them all those questions, then CC a copy their answers to Sharpton and Jackson, and see what they think about the rest of the owners, sports owners across this country. And I would suspect that a lot of these owners are as conservative, if not more conservative, than Rush Limbaugh. Well, what's really sad about the whole thing, and then we're going to close down on that for a second, is that, let me think, he never said any of those things. He never said a thing that related to that. It was all made up. It was a lie, a pack of lies. And here, a man who's worked hard all his life, loved sports, did a great job, you know, uh, the highest paid, he was getting something like $92,000 an hour. Uh, in his last two contracts with uh, the stations. He was just, he's the number one guy in the country. Something has to be really weird that if the majority of the folks listening to talk radio, well, you all know that they don't like talk radio and they want to have the fairness doctrine. The fairness doctrine, of course, that's the king, the king of euphemism, sort of like instead of saying cap and trade, 
which is a really enormously stupid thing to consider. They call it the climate change bill. Wow, we're going to change the climate. I don't know. Should we make it? They actually debated this, as we said, about nine weeks ago. Should we raise the temperature three degrees, lower it two degrees? I mean, I'm listening to these, these, these guys who run countries in Europe are debating. I think we should only, we should cap this at three degrees, right? and yet, as if you're going to control Mother Earth and, and all this other stuff. So here uh, we, we have the situation uh, where uh, they're, they're uh, you know, I got to tell you something. When, the more you think about this, this is sort of like a science fiction novel, isn't it, Jim? Yeah, and you know what? I didn't mean to get off the point of the. It's okay. No, 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 no. It's cool. But, but, but here, but that goes to the point of of, of Limbaugh. See, Limbaugh will, will hold people's feet to the fire, and the Axelrods and Jarrett's and and uh, and, uh, and Emanuels, they don't like that. They don't. And Obama, of course, their leader. I mean, his first week in office, somebody questioned him on the on the presidential on Air Force One. He got ticked off. But these people do not like to be questioned about anything. And I think not only is it you know our right. It's our obligation to, uh, you know, uh, question what our, our elected officials do. See, that's exactly correct. I think that's that's very very important. Whether you, it is important for the media, for journalism. I think our forefathers, you know, the, the founders of the country, felt this way. You must be able to question. You have to ask the question why. Now, why are you doing this? How is this going to happen? What's this? Where, where is that? Because if you don't do that, then what did our, you know, I, I watched The Patriot. Wait a minute, Jimmy. I watched The Patriot over the weekend. You know, Mel Gibson. And he wasn't drunk at the time. He did a good job. I happened to like the movie. I happened to like him in Braveheart a lot, too. I thought that was, he probably was pretty chilly making that movie, by the way. But in any event, I'm watching the, what our forefathers did. You know, these guys out there, they were outgunned outmaneuvered. They had, some of them didn't have shoes. They're out in the middle of the winter time. It was a horrible winter, you know, uh, during the, the Revolutionary War. All right? To fight for a, an idea for a better world. And, and a place that you can actually question government, which is what we were, the whole revolution was a question of government. You know, Thomas Paine's writings, common sense, is the natural question of governing. And here, right now, if you do that, you're demonized. And I find that to be very, very strange. Jimmy, we got to go. We're running out of time. Thank you. But uh, listen, it's good to have you on the show. We'll get you next week. In the meantime, uh, don't forget, you can catch uh, Jim Lasky on WGN next, what, two days next week? Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday, what time? Uh, your time is midnight to 3 a.m. Midnight to 3 a.m. All right. We'll, t- we'll talk to you next time. Thanks an awful lot. We're going to be right back on 880 The Biz. We're going to have all the folks from my city of Miami Springs. We're going to find out why it's working there and not in a lot of other places. Don't go anywhere. Recognized throughout the world with the dual distinction of being the cruise capital of the world and the cargo gateway of the Americas. The Port of Miami contributes more than $17 billion annually to the South Florida economy and helps provide direct and indirect employment for approximately 180,000 jobs. Among its goals is to promote growth in Miami's cruise and cargo yes, industries yes, yes. and That's to make sure that from. every port user can conduct business safely, effectively, yeah, and efficiently. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airports. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. 
the international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. The new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport savoir faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. Where in South Florida can you find a truly elegant hotel with 276 luxury guest rooms, offering a newly renovated championship golf course, tennis courts, the largest hotel swimming pool in the country with private poolside cabanas, a world-class spa, and an award-winning fitness center with a restaurant that Zagat called one of the best restaurants in the country, all spread over a 150-acre tropical paradise landscape. Give up? Listen, debate is fine. Gables, no, no, I Miami, just don't, don't destroy the people who are doing the debating. Built in 1926, Coral yeah, Gables, Miami, the Golf and Spa Resort, is a South Florida landmark. With all the amenities to make your next getaway weekend or night away, but they didn't go after. They didn't go after the, the media that visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information. Well, Nixon had a hate list. But he was the most paranoid. You know, he had a great foreign policy. That's a shame he went that route because he could have been a really great president. Miami, you know, I mean, he, golf he opened up China. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? You know, then call the accounting and tax experts at T&J Tax Service. For over 30 years, T&J Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at T&J Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call T&J Tax Service. QuickBooks certified. T&J Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping to handle all of your payroll and business needs. T&J Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo and, um, in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. T&J Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rockets. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL, customer service is back in shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. Fresh talk with a South Florida flavor. Aw, can't we keep him? Yeah, Dad, can't we? We'll feed the perfect man and clean up after him and everything. Super swear. The RichRothmanShow.com. Please. Now, is it abomination? This is The Rich Rothman Show. In the day we sweated out on the streets of a runaway American dream. At night we ride the mansions of glory and suicide machines. Sprung from Okay, welcome back. 33 minutes after the hour on 880 The Biz. This is Rich Rothman right here. Uh, welcome you to the Rich Rothman Show. Uh, and, and now it's time. I have three wonderful guys in the studio today. And uh, one is an old friend of ours. Bob Best was here just a few weeks ago. Councilman from the city of Miami Springs. But along with him, he brought some of his buddies back today. And we're going to be talking with uh, Jim Borgman, who's the city manager. And uh, Bill Alonzo, William Alonzo, who happens to be the finance director. So uh, welcome, gentlemen, back to the show. It's good to have you here. Thank you very much. You have, a, here, you have a great city. I, I, I you know, Holman's. I've been eating there. You know, um, when I was much younger, I, I started going to. I've been there forever, right, Bob? Uh, yes, it has. I mean, I mean, as long as I've been in Florida, uh, Holman's has been there. Uh, Easily, I would get thirty even years. Before that, even before that, you had this Ken's Lounge. So. Ken's, yeah. Ken, it was known as Ken's Lounge. Yes. Okay, you guys got to talk right into this microphone, right there. 
We're good. The, uh, there you go. Okay. Okay. Let me, um, you know, one of the things we talked about when, when last uh, we had you on the show, and it's, it's probably more than a few weeks, it's, it's like a month or so. Uh, the city of Miami Springs, how would you guys define it? You, you're the city manager. Tell me, how do you give a definition? If you're giving a speech about Miami Springs up in Orlando at the, uh, you know, at the, uh, uh, the, uh, the Florida League of Cities, and someone says, you know what, Jim, I heard your place is really cool. What, what is it all about? Give me, give me the pricey on Miami Springs. I would, I would have to say, and having lived there myself for 51 years of my 59. Um, and he looks so young, so something must be working right for him there. You know, I mean, no, we're looking at him. He's looking terrific. But uh, it, it's, a, it's a real family atmosphere in Miami Springs, I think. And I think people... Um, recognize that they value that I can tell you for a fact when when we did move to uh, M- Miami Springs in 1958 uh, we had moved down from Gainesville Florida through New York actually and they were looking for a, a family atmosphere place and uh, they were told that Miami Springs had just built a brand new swimming pool and a brand new gymnasium for their kids and everything and they were really a progressive city and you know, really moving forward, and if you're going to be raising a family, that was the place to be. And the funny part about this whole story is, is now we are raising that old gym and building a brand new one. So hopefully, more people will be saying that in the in the very near future. Say, Miami Springs is still the place to be. They're building a brand new gym and a community center with a theater in it, and it's just a a family oriented type community. You know, it, it but it's kept pace, hasn't it, Bob? With yeah, what's it, going on out there, but it still has a real hometown. That's what I'm looking for. It's got the hometown feel. It's got the hometown feel, and in, in addition to that, we ha- we haven't stopped looking ahead. I mean, I, I think that's an important aspect of it. Um, uh, the baton's been passed, so to speak, uh, as Jim just said. You know, the, the the old facility was built when it was built. It was time to make a change. It was time to look to the future to see something that uh, that makes sense for the future and 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 the, and the continuum of, of of what exists in the city. And, and you're seeing it. Everybody's seeing it right in front of their face right now. So, so um, you're going to say, go ahead. No, change is inevitable, but it's it's oh, just yeah. always a question of how you manage change. So, uh, what do you look for? You know, going out. What type of businesses do you look for uh, as you move forward into this 21st century, and yet keep that hometown feel? It's it's been a very difficult road to hoe f- uh, for us in that particular regard because the the types of businesses we have in our downtown are more like a mom and pop type uh, situation. Uh, big news is when a Starbucks uh, came into the community right on the circle uh, near near Holloman's. Um, so that again, like Bob just said, it's a it's a progressive uh, feel that we we need to keep moving forward. We're also in the process of changing our comprehensive land use plan, so that 36th Street from Lejeune Road literally to Red Road will be a a far more dense uh, business application. So we'll be looking for more office type and uh, any myriad of businesses that could come in there from medical to uh, to business. I mean to uh, financial. Well, now that you mentioned financial, we happen to have the man here as the finance director of the city. You must be, I would imagine, uh, working in, in the community right now, given that real estate, I mean, Florida is very real estate tense. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of pressure. Uh, and if real estate values go down, as they've done so, so much in the last few years, last year particularly, you know, how do you keep yourself there? You, you've got to be under a lot of pressure working and running that city financially. Well, we, um, we um, as you said, this year our uh, assessed values went down uh, almost 7.2%. Uh, and that represented for a small community like uh, ours a significant amount. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, but we were still able to manage. We were still able to lower our millage rates for for the residents. I mean, wait, 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 wait. Say that again. You actually now this is this is this is why I wanted you guys back in here. <laughs> this man just said they lowered millage rates. I hate to tell you what Fort Lauderdale and some other cities have been threatening and talking about. How could you? This seems so oxymoronic to what's going on out there. So you're doing something right. How did you get? This is a terrific reason to live here. How do you lower millage rates in this economy? Well. Over the years, uh, during the boom years, as uh, people call them, instead of... I remember uh, them. <laughs> Boy, I wish I sold. Instead of spending, going on a spending spree, we actually managed on a yearly basis to build up our reserves for a rainy day. So you guys actually had intelligence in politics and government. <laughs> As opposed to a lot of other people that I've seen. Money wasn't wasted, that's for sure. So, yes. And we never overextended. That, that was the whole point. We never overextended ourselves. If we did not have the money, we did not spend. And that's so typical in government where you have that, where you'll go out and overextend yourself. And if you do that in your own home life, what happens? It's a disaster. So oh, absolutely. We, we take that same philosophy into our jobs every day. And yet, yeah. and yet going back to, to the finance side, you know, Miami, uh, Miami Springs continued to grow. I mean, you didn't, you didn't thwart your growth during those years. You just, how did you, how did you fight them off? You're the, fight, you're the checkbook well, man. As a matter of fact, not only did we grow, we, we actually improved the services to our residents. Well, let's talk, I want to talk about that. What, uh, what did you do? You improved, you improved that, which makes it a better place to live. How, talk about what, what did you What did you do? Tell me what you did. What's the secret? The secret is just being frugal with your money. Um, I mean, uh, it's very easy when you have a million dollars coming in to spend a million, too. But if you have a long-range plan like we did, when we first came in in 2003, the city was really in a, it was not in good financial shape. Uh, what, now, fact, what year was that? 2002. We actually had a deficit fund balance that year. Uh, and we developed a plan. Uh, it was a long, uh, long-term plan where we would build up our reserves every year, cut down our, our expenditures, become as efficient as possible uh, within our government uh, so that we could start building up our reserves. Now, one of the things uh, we addressed at that time, uh, we have a golf course uh, and a country club. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, it, it was great, but it was costing the city a huge amount of money uh, from the food and beverage side. So we managed to outsource that food and beverage operation to the point where it's, it was saving the city almost $300,000 a year. So you know, we were losing half a million a year, and we went down after uh, uh, outsourcing that food and beverage. We actually saved the residents about 300000 a year. The other area that was draining our uh, reserves was the water and sewer operation. We are a small city with a small commercial tax base. And it got to the point where we just couldn't afford the long-term cost of maintaining our water and sewer infrastructure. So finally, last year, we were able to turn that system over to the county. Uh, before that, our residents were paying the highest water and sewer rates of any municipality in Dade County. They pay the highest? The highest. Why? That, we were. Because that's well, what it, that's for a city our size, you don't have the commercial tax base to support it. The residents have to pay for it. Uh, where, so, where do you where where do you process your water for, for Miami Springs? We actually purchased we at that time we purchased yeah. water from Miami Dade, right? Delivered it to the homes via our own pipes, and then the sewage that came back to us we did not process, but we shipped forwarded it. over. Yeah, right. we shipped it back to Miami Dade for processing. What was happening is all of a sudden a lot of our pipes were starting to leak underground, and they weren't leaking out. Groundwater was leaking in. 
So we were paying to treat millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. of gallons, literally on a daily basis, of, yeah. of excess groundwater, which is clean. But we had to process it because they charge us by the gallon, not by how clean it is when it came oh, in. Oh, sure. So, so did you go through? Did you have to go through a capital improvements program to correct that? I mean, that that must have cost some bucks, huh? No. Yeah, yeah, we did that, and uh, we actually did a, a tremendous amount of what's called sleeving, mm-hmm. where they actually slip lined a, a, a new line inside of the old clay pipes, and again, that was costing us millions of dollars. But just the the um, processing charges from Miami Dade, we were spending. Um, probably two and three times what we had in the past. And those were dollars that would had to become, be coming right out of our general fund. So literally our general fund was loaning the sewer fund $200,000, $400,000 a year or uh-huh. more, so, sometimes up to a million. Bottom line, we, we, we were going in the hole. And that's when we came on board and we started to turn this whole process around. So you guys have been there since 2003? I, I became city manager in November of 2003, and William and my assistant city manager, Ron Gorland, came in about six months later. And, and which, who was the mayor then? Uh, Billy Bain. Okay. And, and when did you come on board? I was first elected 2005, April of 2005. April 2005, yes. you know. It's got to be a rough thing to do running. Well, I think mean, running for office has got to be really you know, hard you, to do. God, you've got to have an ego for that. I, I did that, too. Well, yeah, oh, Jim, my Jim was, God. Jim was on the city council. I was eight years on the city yeah, council. Sure eight years on the yeah. city council. So, I mean, how often do you have elections for that? How every, long, two every two years. Every two years. So every, are, you, what, are you up now for you have to 2011, work? Rich. 2011. Yeah. You have to do that. You know, William's too humble. He mentioned earlier about the millage rate. Not well, only we're going to we get got, back to that. Yeah, we, we, we only dumped it once, you know, dropped it, dropped it this year. This has been going down for four years consecutively. You mean every That's four, correct. every what year we, you're able been, to do this? What That's we've correct. been doing is you set your millage rate based so that you you start off at a at a point where if your assessed values are going up, uh-huh. you you lower the millage rate. So what you're doing is you're creating the same dollars every year. So what we always tried to do was I said I'd always tell William I said tell me what the millage rate will be for the homesteaded properties. So the people that actually owned property, the homeowners of Miami Springs, would not see a tax increase at all. Now, it's possible that the assessed values of commercial property went up or rental properties went up, and we would see an increase in taxes coming from that sector. But when it came to our homeowners themselves, and we have about 4,000 homes in Miami Springs and about 75 to 80% of them are homeowner occupied, those are the people we try to say you are the you are the real tax base here and i'm not trying to minimize everyone else but they were the real tax base the the people who came in and bought homes and wanted to make this place their home like you said a hometown feel right so these were the people that every year i always would tell william he'll tell you he said i said give me the break-even millage point for the homeowners well, I should tell everybody out there, let me reset the show a little bit. Well, we're on the show right now with uh, Jim Borgman, who is the city manager of Miami Springs, and uh, Bill Alonzo, William Alonzo, who is the finance director, and Bob Best, who is uh, my good friend and councilman uh, for many years in Miami Springs. And we're talking about why that city works when so many other cities are really struggling right now. Something right has happened in Miami Springs. And I'm hearing right now, for the last four years, you've lowered your millage rate. That's, that's correct, Rich. You know, I mean, I, many other communities doing that these days that you can think of? You know? Uh, not, for example, this year, this, this year, using this year as a base, we're probably one of a handful of municipalities in Dade County that was able to lower the millage. And getting back to what Councilman Bess was saying, 
just to give you an example, in 2003, our millage rate was 8.14. That's $8.14 per thousand of uh, valuation. This year, uh, we lowered that to 6.1698. Two full mills. So that's almost two full mills in the last uh, five to six years. But I think getting back to you, I think if you're looking for a reason why it works with us and not with other communities, uh, the bulk of a budget for a, a municipality is payroll. Salary and benefits. Always. In my company, next to, you know, and I had magazines, you know, my payroll, IRS was number one. Payroll was tied right into that. <laughs> First, the IRS got their money, then everyone else right. got paid. And for a typical municipality, their general fund budget, probably 70 to 75% of their budget is salary and benefits. 70 to 75%. Ours is 62%. Why? And, and, and that's where I think we have a difference with other municipalities. But why do you have that swing? Because it's uh, we've managed to maintain our salaries at a, a, a level uh, we haven't gone overboard on well, salary. Well, evidently not. You guys know how to not go overboard in, in that community. And, and it's hard. If you see what's going on with the county now and, and trying to uh, come with salary cuts for the $200 million to balance their budget. Yeah, after, of course, Alvarez mm-hmm. got caught trying to raise well. 12 people. But that, that, that really wasn't going to happen. That was that was from the past. I mean, they, they've been working so hard. I know. That's yeah. a, a slight slap in the face, I thought. So you guys don't play that game. You guys are straight and narrow. No, and, and the point is it's very hard once salaries are given out to roll, roll them back. So, you know, if you're sitting there and 70 to 75% of your budget is salary and benefits, you know, there's, how are you gonna cut unless you start cutting salaries and cutting jobs? And those are the hard decisions that councilmen have to make. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we, we're, we're blessed that we're not in that position. No, it, it, it's a very hard call. I know that in, 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 in the companies that I own, and, and, and I've gone through, I started in the media business in the 70s, so we had a recession in the 70s. Okay. We had another problem in the 80s, right. you know, then uh, uh, I'll flash forward uh, even closer. In, in, in uh, 2001, of course, we had uh, 9-11, and that just decimated the media business, and then uh, you have this situation now. So whenever I had to maintain, and, and depending upon the year, I would have you know 26 employees. And when I had the Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach daily business reviews that I ran, and, and I was the president of that Florida corporation, I had 135 full-time employees, not including outsourced folks and probably another 20 or 30 of those. And the only way that you can survive, and I didn't look at the revenues coming in as much because I, I, I could, could – I could play with that to the best I could, but every dollar that I cut in expense goes right to my bottom line. I mean, dollar for dollar. Mm-hmm. So I had to make the very hard calls, sure. which that's why you, you, know, like, you get up and you know, Jim wouldn't like this in Chicago. You walk around your pool at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're wondering, you know, the next day you've got to make these decisions, or you've got to let people go, or you've got to figure out how to cover payroll when nobody's paying anybody after 9-11 because everyone's panicking and so forth. So I would imagine that um, the team that you have right now, and I'm being sincere about this, having... I've worked as an adult in business all my life, my adult life. Uh, it, they're very, very hard decisions to make. And I think it would be very easy to slip and slide in government and do what people might want you to do, but you have to do what you know you have to do. And that's the difference between, I think, good management and, and, and poor management. In other words, even though you're elected and you're put there, but you're elected to protect this community. Right, Bob? You, you can you can say that these things are tough to adjudicate. Uh, they're tough to uh, look at and make decisions about. 
But when you, when, you, when you have a team like this that offers you the options that they have offered us over the last four going on five years that I've been sitting up there, uh, it makes it so much easier. And, and, and you look at it, and, and the answer to the question jumps right off the page. I mean, it just makes so much sense that you, this is the way you're going to go. And if you look at the bottom line, at the end of the day, you've made the right decision. Yeah, you guys have made the right decision. It's sort of like you folks are the Price Waterhouse Coopers. You know, the consulting arm of Price Waterhouse Cooper. No, I'm serious. For, for the, I mean, you guys could you would have put this little LLC together. You know, <laughs> another, and, and another there, one, Jim. There are another a lot one of, today. Yes. You know, you know, there, there are a lot of communities in upstate New York. And where you said you're from, New York. Yeah, a little town up there called New York City. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm from New York. I, I, I was born. Know, I was born there too. But I mean, uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a New York kid. I grew up in New York City, Manhattan. And, but then I went to upstate New York, and, and I know a lot of my friends are still in upstate, and if you went to the, you know, the Tri-City area, not the Binghamton one, you go over to Albany and Schenectady. That's out west. You know, yeah. Um, they're, they're hurting very, very badly financially. I mean, yeah. GE was up there, and my friends are in Mayfield and Gloversville, and I'm talking oh, real small towns. That's, that's dead. They're, they're just that's devastated, dead. and so you guys should put this yeah. advisory group together and go on the road and sell Miami Springs, you know, you know um, get a template for Miami Springs and say, listen, this is how you do it, you know, how to make it work. Well, it, it's a lot of it's just common sense. Like I started out earlier, I said, you know, we don't, we, we've never overextended ourselves. We have to continually watch the bottom line, watch our numbers, and, and go forward from there. One of the things that uh, I look for, I have a very, very simple management philosophy, four words, maximize strengths and minimize weaknesses. I look to see when I bring a person in, you know, what strengths does this person bring to this organization? My last two hires, assistant city manager and finance director, neither of those gentlemen ever worked a day in government in their lives. I brought in two very strong financial people. My assistant, Ron Gorlin, has held CFO positions with some Fortune 500 companies, including R.J. Reynolds and Nabisco. Uh, so, you know, and he's from Miami Springs originally. I think I saw him in Barbarians at the Gate. In Actually, that, in that movie. <laughs> believe, it, believe it or not. Are you hip to that? Did you get it? Okay, good. Um, he, was a, he was a consultant on that book. James Go that is, that's one of my favorite stories. He's a consultant on that book. Wow. we got to get him. we got to talk to we him. We'll yeah, yeah, bring Ron in. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. we got, we got to do yeah, that. Ron's a great that's guy. One of my uh, – Jim Garner, he's was, was my hero as a kid always. You know, I still watch Maverick with him because yep. it's on replay somewhere on the cable at night, and I catch it. But, you know, that's very interesting. So so uh, your background, too, is, is uh, you're, you're uh, mainstream. Well, I, I um, came from uh, the auditing field. I was uh, uh, working for an, uh, an auditing company. And Does he have a sense of humor? Just auditors, I oh, found, right. they're just, they're hard. Oh, no, they're, 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 you is, can't do stand-up comedy with a bunch of auditors. You're working, really if tough. you're working for me, you better have a sense yeah, of humor. Right, right. <laughs> uh, William certainly does. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off, William. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, no, but I come from, uh, from uh, I used to work for a CPA firm where we audited governmental ent 